Okay, so uh, let's say it is the uh, 6th of October. It's um, not a fantastic day here on the Costa Blanca. Up near Denia, it's sort of a bit of cloud in the sky, but it's not as hot as it has been. Uh, yesterday, I visited the court of King Caractacus. It was uh, a colleague of mine who had his uh, big birthday. He'll tell me about it in a minute. And I have to say, um, the number of people coming in paying their respects, it wasn't just a quick hello, it was um, it was almost like deferred doffing your hat. Let's wake up Eric, I don't know if he's got over his day yesterday. Eric, are you there? Yeah, am I Vince? Can you hear me okay? I can, and that's marvellous because I couldn't hear anything before. So Eric, first of all, did you enjoy your birthday and uh, was it an ordeal? Yeah, it was quite a, a good day. Plenty of friends come down to visit us, uh, yourself included. And uh, it was a really good day, must admit. Uh, they put some nice food on as well for uh, snacks. And it was a really good day, so I, I can't complain, must admit. Well, it was, it, was, it was a bit of a difference for me to have to spend a lot of time with the uh, Man Manchester City fans. Uh, <laughs> but very interesting guy that you introduced me to uh, was the guy that played a g in goal for Reykjavik. I mean, that's a, an amazing yeah. story. Um, how did you meet him? Well, many years ago, and I'm going back a few years now, a friend of mine brought Heimer down to, to meet me because he was a City fan and he come from Iceland. Um, from that day on, we've always watched our City games together. But obviously he goes back to Iceland for about six months a year and over here for six months but he was the very first well the very first team to play at Anfield in the European Cup was Reykjavik and he got beat by Liverpool 5-0 believe it or not but that's his claim of fame but he didn't play in the return game because he was injured I always say to him it's because he had a bad back admit it you know I'm picking <laughs> a ball out of the net like so but anyway we always have a bit of fun about it but yeah he's a good lad smashing lad well, he's older than me as well. He's an opt octogenarian. What's the word we say? An o octogenarian. Octogenarian. He's older than me, I'm. So, he's a, but he's a nice guy, smashing guy. Good sense of humour as well. Well, I, I wasn't too sure which way to take him at first because you, you know what <laughs> well, we're. That's the way he is. Well, you, yeah, but you know what we're like. We're busy sort of pulling each other's leg all the time, and so yeah, yeah. you know when you when you tell me he played for Iceland in in goal in uh, at Anfield, of course I'm thinking, hang on. And then as I said to him, you see, he wasn't a tall guy, was he? He he was about five no. foot. Only looked about five foot ten to me. So I said, yeah. I said you're a bit small for a goalkeeper. So he said, well, he used to be a bit bigger, <laughs> which of course is tr is true. So uh, I I said um, I don't know don't know if you recognise the name, but I said we used to have a, a, a goalkeeper called Ron Springett, and he was only about right, yeah. he was only about five foot eight, wasn't he? Correct. Yeah, he used to play for Sheffield Wednesday as well, didn't he? Mm. Well, I remember. You see, it's it's quite funny because when we talk about things, and of course. For those newcomers to the podcast, it is all about talking football. We'll be looking at specifics shortly, but um, it's about talking football, uh, recreating our memories, remembering things that happened. And I mean, I started off at school uh, when I was about 10 uh, and I was the goalkeeper for the school. Now, obviously, I couldn't touch the crossbar, um, but there was my hero at the time was a fella called Lev Yashin, if you remember him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Russian, go Russian goalkeeper. 
Yeah, well, um, he was also called the cat. So I got my mum to initial on the back of my goalkeeper's jersey, El Cat. <laughs> and, you know, uh, the school team used to play in green and yellow stripes. And there's me, the smallest probably in the team, couldn't touch the crossbar. So we used to get, we should have been called the carpets, but we, we got beaten the most weeks. Um, but in actual fact, it was quite funny because the scores used to go into the Liverpool Echo. All the kids, you know, uh, they'd play their yeah. games. And then if you were on nine as a goalkeeper, you tried to let the next one in because there was always the chance the newspaper would cock up the score and it would go in as, instead of ten, it would go in as nil. And it often did. <laughs> so we had a bit of fun with that. Anyway, um, so... Uh, We've uh, established the fact that he had a great birthday. Uh, I wasn't joking for the listeners, by the way, when I was t talking about people coming in um, and paying you great respect, Eric. And I'll tell you, I'll tell the audience why. Because Eric, for many years, has operated the Fantasy Football League in Alfaz del P, which is not far from here. And um, we used to do a spot on my radio show where Eric would go over the fantasy football. And it was one of these things, Eric, where a lot of people uh, who didn't know fantasy football were introduced to it. Um, for those, again, that will know of you, uh, can tell you that Eric used to go round, get his sponsorship and put on a big event at the end of the year with winners having medals and cups and all sorts and um, it was really I think payback yesterday I think a lot of people came in to make sure that they didn't miss the big day for you which which was very nice and uh, well deserved Eric well deserved yeah it was very nice for people to turn up the way they did it was uh, brilliant and as I say it was a good afternoon you know I tried not to make it last too long to make sure I was okay when I got up you know what I mean this morning <laughs> so it was alright at the end of the day well I was quite prepared for this not to happen because I thought to myself, I know what Eric's like, uh, he has had a few fizzy pops in the past and I thought, well, maybe, maybe he won't answer the phone. So uh, that was a bonus when the phone was answered. Okay, well, look, we'll go to um, what's been happening and um, the first matter, of course, is Watford have sacked their manager after he brought them up from the championship and only seven games being played of which I think he's had two wins that doesn't seem very fair to me and Watford don't have a track record of treating their managers very well do they? Well it's like musical chairs down there isn't it? They've, uh, I think they've had 11 managers in about seven years something like that so it's incredible I mean, I mean after seven games they sack a ball can I wouldn't mind, but they're about 14th in the league. It's not as only in the bottom three, not won a game or anything. They've been doing quite well. I mean, they beat Villa first game of the season. They had a good win at Norwich, 3-1. The other games, they've took a, a, a bit of a hiding, but, uh, but they have, they've introduced Claudio Rainier now there as a manager, aren't they? So they might do better. I don't know. It's very difficult. If you was a manager going in on that job, it's like waiting for the guillotine to drop on your head, you know when he sat there don't know what's happening next well yeah I mean the thing is looking at one of the websites and uh, the headline is Manchester United are fully behind Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and have no intention of sacking him now that's come up as the lead story 
and it's it's often it's the kiss of death that isn't it <laughs> well he's got his own problems Solskjaer hasn't he I mean he's got probably the best squad they've had now for a long time Manchester United and it's now up to him to provide or to set them up the best way possible for the team uh, from what I can see they're still playing as individuals rather than as a team but that's my opinion that must admit no, I think you're right. I, I mean, when all's said and done, um, you, you know, the, the headlines seem to be all about um, uh, Ronaldo storming off down the tunnel um, and uh, being annoyed with his uh, other teammates. Well, I mean, if he wasn't selected to start the game, then obviously that problem has come from the manager. And was it a problem that's worthy of um, kicking off? I mean, when all's said and done, if you bought Ronaldo for that price... Um, yeah, you see, th this is the problem, isn't it? It's whether the star has the final word or whether it's the manager. Because, quite frankly, it would appear to me that um, Ronaldo obviously didn't want to be uh, 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 not starting the game and he certainly didn't want to go off early, you know. So, really, um, what would you think's going on there? I mean, is it a power struggle? Personally, I don't think he's strong enough to handle these star players he's got now. Because these players have played for big clubs, you know. Uh, certainly Ronaldo has been all around the world in the best clubs possible. Uh, we've got the other lad, Bruno Fernandes, he's another top-class player. You've got Pogba, you don't know what he's going to do when he turns up. You know, and now they've got Varane, another top player who's played around the top places in the world. And The thing is, when you're a footballer, and you've got to manage it. it it doesn't take long for the penny to drop if the manager's not much idea you know that footballers soon suss it out and get away with whatever they want whatever they can get away with you know in my opinion I just don't think he's got a strong enough personality to to be able to rule these players the way like well you know what Guardiola's like at Blinking at City you know the he don't know who you are, you left out and still he's not played for ages last year. You know, he's not bothered who he leaves out. And he just has to pull it he says, that's the way it goes. And but if they don't like it, they can lump it, you know. So, what he don't seem to be is, though, uh, he has that kind of gumption to say that to these players. Because I've just got the feeling that it would upset the apple cart. But Trudy's had a go at him anyway as well this week, apparently. So he was caught on camera of him telling him off for not picking the strongest team on Saturday against Everton. Because he said, can you imagine how Everton felt when he saw the team sheet? Oh, Ronaldo's not playing. You know, oh, that's a big help, you know. And yeah. I've always said that when you go to, if you're going to rest players, the best, pick your best team first. Get them on the park. Get three none up or whatever you want to call a good lead. And then bring them off. Don't try and bring them on with 20 minutes to go when things are not going right. You know, that's unfair for the players and for their, their supporters and everybody. You know, try and pick your strongest team. I think that's what Fergie was trying to get over to him. You don't leave your best players out. Now, I was a theory, I would say, if you have a hammer, you've got to use it, you know. So if you've got a top-class player, you've got to use it. No good having him sat on the bench. Yeah. Um, well, I, I got the feeling that um, really it, it's it, there's club styles that come over very clearly. Uh, we, we were talking about Watford. Now, uh, I'll go back to Watford for a minute because... I mean, to, to not give that manager that brought them up from the championship, which is, I think we've t spoken incessantly about how difficult it is to get out of the championship and back into the Premier League. 
or the premiership, whichever way you, you want to call it. Um, I mean, that really doesn't seem to be a very sensible solution to what is obviously not a great crisis, as you say. You know, they're not in the, in the bottom three or anything. So um, obviously, this reflects on the the the, um, the chairman and the the other directors, doesn't it? Yeah, they just have a well. They've just got a bad name anyway. For getting the demise is pretty rapid. Like uh, I thought, they had a good manager the other year when he had Nigel Pearce, and you know he kept them up. If you remember, that's going back a couple of seasons. And uh, Nigel Pearson, to me, I thought was a good, strong manager. And for some reason, he got rid of him as well. So I don't know. He, 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 I don't know if he can keep going on taking managers on and sacking them. It just seems like uh, bad news for anybody who takes a job in, like a poison talus, isn't it? So we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, Rainier might do a good job. He did a good job at, at Sylvester when he won the league for him. Dilly dilly dong dong, remember? <laughs> yeah. He was uh, quite funny the manager and quite interesting to listen to. Um, okay, well, look, uh, just looking again at some of the headlines that just appear from nowhere, and uh, they've got the. Um, the Manchester United management uh, got got the the seal of approval. As I say, that could be the kiss of death. And then yeah. immediately below that, they say David Beckham says his iconic free kick against Greece was the moment England fans forgave me. Now um, I was watching the game against the Argentinian. Um, uh, you know that obviously Simeone uh, was probably the man behind the idea to get Beckham sent off. And I remember at the time what a pathetic um, effort that was to send um, David Beckham off because, quite honestly, to just raise your leg behind, you know, uh, your own thigh when you're on the ground is never going to injure anybody. It never was and it never will do. So I found the whole thing all... That, that was definitely just a, a contrived situation and uh, as far as sending um, Beckham off I don't really think the fans totally blame Beckham unless you feel differently what do you think? Well he got quite a lot of stick at the time didn't he because it cost us a game if I remember um, uh, obviously don't forget he was putting effigies of Angus Munt on the lamp post up in London at one time that was how, how much they thought about it down there but uh, yeah I agree with you I, I didn't think it was uh, anything vicious or nasty but when you play Argentina I think it was Argentina it was who against you know there's always a little bit of uh, nastiness around one another you know both sides and for some reason maybe the referee had already got it in his mind that if anybody did anything untoward he was going to send them off and that's what happened with Beckham just a bit unlucky Okay, another little uh, story that's hit the headlines which I think will just bring a little smile to your face as I tell you that Manchester United's training ground will be turned into a potato farm if war breaks out. This was um, this was an illegal thing that still is hanging around, and you know things like that are really quite funny. Very English when you think about it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's up Carrington Way, which is uh, not far from where I used to live in England, and uh, like you say, it's a bit quite open country down there. Obviously, that's why they've got the, the training ground there. Yeah. OK, uh, now the next one that I've got for you this week is uh, looking at Barcelona. 
who are now in free fall and of course to get rid of the manager if uh, they can it would cost them about 10 million now these are the uh, anomalies in management I suppose yeah you've got to accept it's a huge job and it's a big big much bigger job than running Watford um, but I mean you know the, the Watford guy isn't doing probably as bad as Barcelona in some respects but um, you know that is a strange one the way that immediately Messi's gone and uh, things have really turned pear shape haven't they well I'm sure that uh, we've talked to Rob Danzies he'll tell you more about it than I know but uh, for the fact that you haven't got any money Barcelona uh, personally I like the manager Ronald Koeman I liked him when he was at Everton but for some reason I don't know he, he just doesn't seem to click it where he goes and if you remember he gave up the Holland job of the team of the Netherlands you know he was managing the country to take the job at Barcelona which uh, I think it was a job he always wanted to where go at Barcelona because he played for him and uh, I like him here I think he's a good manager but at the moment it's all turmoil at Barcelona and same at Real Madrid really isn't it yeah. both clubs are going through a bad spell and it's really bad for Spanish football when they're losing players of the ability of Messi going out of the country into another league it's like they've lost a lot of Spanish players to English clubs anyway you know and uh, it's just one of them things but as a manager I think he's okay Kuma, but I'm sure it's a bit like the brain drain in a football sense, you know, when um, during the 60s, I think it was, or maybe a bit later, maybe it was the 80s, when uh, all the best brains seemed to be going out of the country. Well, it's very similar. Uh, but I mean, having said that, in football, you often probably come back as a stronger and better player because you've been exposed to nationalities all over the show. Um, OK, let me just ask you, have you... Um, have you any idea on the rules of when you must release your team? Uh, you know the team sheet that you've got to say, this is the yeah. team. Do you know, why do they do that? Any idea? Well, you've just got to announce the team one hour before the kickoff. You know, so that's what happens over in England. That's why a few weeks ago when we were talking about them lads who played and they come on and stopped and playing. They should have been stopped when the team sheet was handed in like an hour before, before kickoff. But if you remember at the time I said we were just trying to make a big publicity somehow of it all. You know, with the the people in Argentina, three players it was one that you yeah. off. So but the team sheet has got to be in an hour before kickoff. It's as simple as that. And even even in amateur football, you gotta have your team sheet signed and delivered and so the referee can check it before the game starts. You know, so it's a... Uh, just one of them things that you sort of do with the laws of the game, I suppose. It's well, not laws of the game, but, you know, the, the other team has got to know who's playing for the other team because... Nobody can guess them, apart from, say, goalkeeper. But, I mean, really, um, I, I just wondered why... Of, of course, they should know that somebody's eligible, so I can understand that. But, I mean, surely in a tactical sense, if you give the the team sheet to the other team, uh, they can r sort of name their team and sort of counterbalance who you're play you've got playing. Uh, you know, for example, we were talking about Ronaldo not playing for Manchester United at, against Everton. So immediately, uh, my thoughts might be um, if, if somebody sees... 
that um, Liverpool's fullback. There, there's a good one for you, uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, if if it was me, um, I think what Brentford did against Liverpool was a great tactic, which was to put them mob-handed on the right fullback because they knew that he was probably going to be a weakness, which I think he is often. You know, a great going forward, by the way, but but as a defender, he's he can be quite out of place all the time, can't he? Yeah, but as I say, once the team sheets are there in front of the referee, then that's it. You can't do any changes. In fact, occasionally, somebody might just get injured. You know, when they go out doing a warm-up and have to change your team at last minute, uh, that has happened quite a few times. But overall, you're not allowed to change your team unless there's something drastically gone wrong. And that, that's why they have to have it in an hour before kick-off. Also, for the television and all of all them, media, you know, to know what the teams are. Yeah. Who's picks, who's not, because that was the first thing at weekend that I was watching it uh, on Saturday. His team used coming from Old Trafford because it was the early kick-off was that Ronaldo's not playing, you know, and that was straight away. We all know that because it's now before kick-off and then you got an hour to talk about it, the, the pundits, you know. Yeah. OK, um, now, I don't know if you saw this one, but there was a very nice story which... Uh, was to do with the Fulham players. Now, I don't know if you uh, had seen it, but I think it first broke on a, a children's programme and there was this kid who, I think he had muscular dystrophy. He had something that was not very good and he, he was playing in goal. So he puts this video out of himself and obviously, um, you know, the, the, the nasty brigade all started uh, doing the nasty things that they do these days, you know. So. This poor little lad must have been really distraught with what happened. Anyway, the Fulham players um, really did and made a nice gesture. They, they, you know, took him to the heart and did the usual bits that you know you can come out with the team and all that sort of stuff. And um, in this day and age, obviously, uh, you've got to say when the good things happen, uh, that that was a nice story. Um, I, th I thought the Fulham. Uh, players and the staff uh, responded really well for that and um, I think they came out of it with great credit and flying colours. Uh, did you see that one, uh, Eric? I, I didn't see it, but I do know the fact that uh, all the newspapers want to find out about is people who's doing something wrong rather than people who are doing something right. And uh, that's what you get main headlines for. But if something like this can get a bit washed under the carpet, then... Uh, to me, well, I know a lot of footballers do a lot of good things anyway, it goes without saying. We were very lucky at Man City when I was a friend of Peter Swales. He made sure every player who played in the first team went down to a supporters club and became one of their presidents or whatever you want to call them. You know, and everybody had a, a, a footballer from the team in your club. You know, if you come from a Manchester branch, say, Gorton, they would have a Man City player who's, a, who's not the chairman, but he would be like a president and turned up at meetings and things like that what they do out there all the time. I'm not too sure that they do it nowadays, tell you the truth, though. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, yeah, they get a chance to see footballs. You're driving about in black cow cars, aren't they, where nobody can <laughs> see them. And they might find out who's in it. So, uh, and as I, well, we mentioned on many occasions, I got on the bus when Bertram, I was going to the same match, I was going down early for autographs and Bertram was on the bus going down to the match. You know, it's just a metal believable how it's changed football, but that's it. I mean, collecting autographs, now everybody wants photographs, don't they? Because you all have these phones. But 
my day he was collecting an autograph from a, a footballer, which was brilliant. I used to enjoy doing it. Um, Eric, we had um, stories in the press yesterday, and it was to do with the England players who haven't been vaccinated. Now, um, you know, uh, we, we both have our views on the vaccination, so in many ways, I don't even really like talking about this because, quite frankly, uh, we're taking away people's um, reasons for doing something that uh, really affects them. It doesn't affect the newspapers, it doesn't affect the, the journalists, but people want to take and capitalise on the stories. Now, um, there, there was a story, uh, there was one story about the, well, I think it was the girlfriend or the wife of one of the England players, three of them apparently, um, who apparently haven't had the jab. And then there's Jurgen Klopp talking about people who haven't had the jab, um, talking about it being like drunken driving. Now, to be honest with you, um, much as I, might, I like the manager, our manager, I think quite honestly, uh, to suddenly put yourself up as an expert in vaccinations and um, what's going on in the bigger picture, I think is absolutely ludicrous. And I think, quite honestly, he's totally out of order for doing it. What do you think? Well, he should have, well, it's the, everybody has an opinion and they're entitled to it. And uh, that's all I can say about Klopp. He, he got it over quite well, I thought. I mean, he was trying to say that they're taking away the liberty of somebody. That's why he compared it to drink driving. But he was saying that when you say you're not supposed to drink drive, you're taking away the liberty from you. But it's not, in my opinion. But with regards to the vaccination, if people don't want it, that's their problem, isn't it? I mean, I, I agree with what he thought and said when he said he doesn't have it for himself, he has it for other people. He won't want to pass anything on to somebody else. And I think that's one of the main reasons, certainly why I have had the chance. It's always been uh, something which nobody would ever, ever want to even talk to somebody about. Um, basically, I don't think people ever would go up to anybody else and say, have you been vaccinated against measles, mumps and rubella, for example? I mean, you know, really, you, you've got uh, people now, obviously, um, looking at each other as if to say that is good, that is bad, and that isn't good, you know. Uh, and really, when all said and done, um, we've not had enough total evidence that anything works at the moment. So I can understand anybody thinking, well, what's the point of getting a vaccine? Because, you know, uh, you'll get a new variant comes out the next week, so you need one for that. And then after you've had that, you'll need a second jab and a third jab. I mean, if we're not careful, we're going to end up for the rest of our lives going and um, just giving people jabs. And I think that the football managers should really keep out of it. That's what I think, because quite fr frankly... Um, well, they've got, sorry, Eric, you carry they've on. Got, so they've, they've got enough people, the medical staff around them, these managers, so they're qualified really to say what someone on the staff, your medical staff could say. And they say 
well, I think Cobb himself said he went to see the scientists himself to find out about it. That's what he said in his interview. Uh, that's what he came back with, like, with the answer that he was told and he trusts the people who said it's important to get it done. So, as I say, everybody has their own uh, outlook on the situation. Uh, yeah, but you know... I just feel that... But you know, like for example, um, if 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 you're stepping into another person's area of expertise, which is what these done, um, and you're a person of influence, you've got to know what you're talking about. And if I was to say to Klopp exactly what goes into that, can you tell me exactly what goes into that um, stuff that is being put into people's bodies? He couldn't say that. He wouldn't have a clue. Same as I wouldn't. You know, but I'm reading reading things that I don't particularly like, etc. I'll go on to something else now, and I'm looking at a an article in one of the papers today, and it's telling me that a Brazilian football player faces attempted murder uh, for deliberately kicking a referee in the neck during a game. Now, this is in uh, Brazil, and you actually you can see an unprovoked attack taking place. Um, I mean, you really wouldn't want to be a referee, would you? Well, over the years, I mean, even down to amateur football, there's been a lot of referees who've been assaulted, you know, and uh, it's terrible. Uh, it's just that some people have this red mess all of a sudden, don't they? And it just comes over them and they do something absolutely stupid. And uh, I mean, no disrespect, but telling yourself, America, it seems to be anything goes. There even been shootings down there, aren't there, footballers? So I'm not at all surprised it happened in South America. I don't think it would happen in England, being truthful, but it's just my opinion that. Uh, again, just looking at headlines because these things come up. If you're not careful, you know they get dumped and nobody sees them. And uh, this is um, Matildas. A legend. Now, this is something to do with oh, the Walsing Matildas, of course. It uh, reveals disturbing sexual abuse at the heart of Australian women's soccer, including uh, uh, allegations, um, doing all sorts of things. You know, I'm not going to tell you because I think the papers are beginning to report these things uh, in in a rather um, news of the world sort of way these days. You know, um, get get the lowest common denominators. But I mean. Uh, you just see these things and you think to yourself, well, hang on, uh, what are they trying to do? Because the papers have an agenda with a lot of this. Sometimes you think, well, hang on, why would you put that in the English newspapers um, unless you want to create a little bit of um, a little bit of something that doesn't exist? Now, I don't know how you feel about it, but I'm looking at the ladies' soccer, the women's Super League, and I'm seeing some really good games and um, some very technically gifted ladies who are playing the game in a, in, in a really good way. Um, so it's almost like, hang on, uh, we've got to now criticise the, the women because they're getting a bit too much uh, success. Uh, obviously, you won't have seen that story because it's only just breaking. I'm just seeing it now. Um, but, I mean, the thing is, uh, the ladies are doing a great job, aren't they? They, they do look good now. Normally, as well, 
so they're getting a, a lot of publicity so that means that they will also be able to create more money for the league by the advertisers that they'll be getting now they're getting on television a lot more so overall the women are doing a good job I mean Chelsea and Arsenal have been like runaway leaders up to now so far this season and Arsenal got a, got a good spanking yesterday or was it the day before off Barcelona because they're the top team in the world Barcelona women they won the European Championship last year for the, for the women and I know they knocked City out along the way in the two-legged semi-final and they've got some really good players First, I think Man City signed all of them but uh, she's a centre forward I can't remember her name but anyway the women are doing really well so maybe it's just another way they want to have a dig at something trying to be open up something which isn't really there yeah but, I mean, women are going to it's kind of obvious that women are going to get abused in a bit aren't they because that'll be the next thing people start targeting yeah well, sadly, because, you know, I think their games are really quite good, actually. And I think some of the technical stuff, I, I, oh, 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 I, I was um, teaching the, the girls to play football and rugby down at Cornwall College. So, you know, I'm talking about uh, the last century, but it was uh, 1990, roughly. And I had a lot, of, a lot of people were really against me for doing it. And I was saying, oh, hang on, why shouldn't the girls play? You know, because... I'd done my course and, um, you know, they were saying then that, you know, that there's a lot of things that the girls hadn't been encouraged to do. Um, but, you know, uh, I think it's great that they're playing and I think they really are good players. Um, OK, well, let's go to some of the matches that we saw last week. Uh, we're going to leave the big one till later. But Manchester United, um, obviously without Ronaldo, took on Everton. Uh, you thought it would be a draw, 2-2. I thought it would be 2-1 to Man United. And it was 1-1. Um, what did you think of the game? And what did you think of Saussure's decision-making? Well, obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? I thought it's the way he dropped a bit of a ghoulie, in my opinion. As I said earlier, you've got a hammer, you've got to use it. Bring him off after the game's won. Don't wait and put them on maybe 20 minutes to go and you only draw him on a piece and then expect him to pull something out of the bag. Although in fairness, Ronaldo has done that so many times, it's unbelievable. Uh, but yeah, in the game itself, I thought they deserved to draw Everton because they were weak inside Everton. But Ricardo and uh, Calvin Lewis, the two strikers they have, are both injured. And uh, so therefore, I thought it was a good result getting one all at Old Trafford. Excellent, in Does this does this tend to make both of us? Um, I'm obviously showing my colours straight away. That there's a lot more to Rafa Benitez uh, than possibly other managers that have been around. You know, um, I think that really it's it, he's done done a good job since he's been there, hasn't he? He's doing a safety first job. I mean, even that's what he did at Newcastle. He was happy if he got people on rather than get good idea. Yeah. 
year it's changing now because he's getting results because he's now keeping up the standard away from home. Yeah. You know, so he's, he's doing a good job. I, I mean, I think everybody's always said Benitez is a, a manager, a good manager. Uh, it's just that unfortunately, since he's left Liverpool, the teams he's been with have not been there. Well, I think he went to Chelsea, didn't he, if I'm not mistaken. They didn't like him up there, you know, mm. for some reason. Because he don't play out-and-out attacking football. I think that's why a lot of people don't like him. Yeah. But overall, he's doing a good job there. The players he brought in, uh, Andres Towns, had this, having a great season for him. scored five goals already. He uh, brought a good team together. and You can see it knitted together. And I'm convinced when he got the two strikers back up front, I think um, you, you know uh, Townsend was inspi inspirational because I mean I, I remember when I saw him playing against Liverpool for Crystal Palace uh, he was always the one that was likely to come up with a cracking shot I think he's got a great uh, eye for uh, the opportunities and uh, I just think he's a good player um, OK well we go to um, Chelsea next then because Southampton with the visitors I think we both yeah we did we both thought that Chelsea would win 2-0 and 2-1 was our prediction um, and they held them for quite a large part of the game it ended up Chelsea 3 Southampton 1 uh, who played the better uh, Southampton for holding it for a long time or Chelsea for being patient and then turning on the, the gas well Chelsea yeah, well I should say Southampton were all lucky because it just about turned the car and getting back in the game when the captain got sent off for trials and he finished up with 10 men and that's when Chelsea took advantage and, and won the game. It was one apiece where, where he got sent off and uh, Chelsea, well, 10 men, they just uh, steamrolled them. It's just unlucky because he got really back in the game. And as we've said before about Southampton, they're on a young side now and they work the socks off every week. And it was, it was good that he'd come back in it at uh, Chelsea. But when Ward Prowse got sent off, it just spoke the game from them and there was nothing he could do about it. He just overpowered them then. And Verne got a goal, that was good for him. But it's funny that Taylor Cook, hasn't scored the last couple of games for him. But the, the strike. He's going on about him, but he's not scored now for two games. <laughs> Well, you know, crisis or no crisis, I think if if you look at Lukaku, I think, uh, you know, he's probably having a breather and letting other people take their share of the action. But anyway, um, we go to Wolves next, and um, Eric thought it would be Wolves 1-1. I thought it would be 1-0. Um, it was actually Wolves 2, Newcastle 1, and they're looking a stronger team again, Wolves, aren't they? Well, sadly, they picked uh, the lad who's been coming on as for the last few weeks. He, uh, he's a South Korean lad. His name's Chan. And he scored both the goals for the Wolves. And uh, he did a good job. Both of them were made by him and his, by the way. The lad who got his first goal last week, he got both assists. Uh, it was a good result for Wolves because uh, I just had a funny feeling that he, he could have been... Well, I just had a feeling it could have been a draw that game. I don't know why. But uh, they, they won well and they needed points because it's not been going too well for Wolves lately and he's not really a well-known manager there either but he's done well excuse me yeah um, right uh, okay well we go to the next game then alright well just a, just a quick word about Newcastle because um, they're very 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 hit and miss at the moment aren't they oh he's still there 
Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, it's just that my phone started drinking. I just had to stop the call getting through. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, I'm just... So he was a good performance, Pebbles, and might be turning the corner now. Yeah. Okay, uh, so let's go next to... Um, we'll go to Burnley and Norwich. Now, I would have thought that Burnley would have seen them off. Um, having said that, um, you put it down as a Norwich win. I put it down as a Burnley win. Uh, so a draw, I think, on balance would favour Norwich, wouldn't it? Well, that's their first point of the season, isn't it? I, I just had the feeling that it won't carry on the way they just keep losing game after game. I just thought that sooner or later the looks going to turn around, they're going to get a stuffy goal and win a game by battling hard. As it happened, they managed to get a draw and it's the first point of the season. So I think there's a bit more to come from Norwich, although quite a few people have been having a go at them saying they're a yo-yo team where they keep taking the money going up and getting the money and going down and getting the money parachute payment and coming back up again you know a few people's been having a go at them for the way they, they are but this year they did spend some money on players but having said that they also sold some players well, well, to to Aston Villa I suppose with them being called the the Canaries, they're more likely uh, budgie jumping, aren't they? <laughs> All right. Um, Leeds and Watford. You saw Leeds winning this one. I thought Watford should have drawn it. It turned out it was only one goal and uh, the manager of Watford gets sucked. Bielsa, the manager of Leeds, gets a bit of a reprieve. And, um, I mean, we see him most of the time on his haunches probably with the strongest thigh muscles any manager's got in the Premier League um, either that or he's never got over his potty training anyway um, how did you see that one? Well to be fair he should be about three and up before half time and he did have complete control over the game and uh, that's, what, that's what can happen though and we've said many times one goal is not enough and he could have easily snatched it at the end of Watford but these were that one out winners deserve to win and uh, Lorenti got the goal at the moment they're, they're struggling with Bamford not being fit he was their leading goal scorer well leading goal scorer last year not this year so they did be struggling a bit Leeds they've got quite a few injuries a bit like Leicester City but uh, they've just got to get on with it that's why they say it's a big squad now you've got to make sure you've got a lot of players covered, yeah. covering a lot of positions OK so nil-nil Brighton 6.30 or 5.30 kick-off in England um, and it was um, you thinking that Arsenal would win I thought Arsenal would win so Brighton they are proving to be a good little team I don't think they're in the top flight yet but um, you know they're still going to give anybody a good game aren't they? Well if you watched it I mean you'd be absolutely superb right I mean I fancied Arsenal to win mainly because they've turned the corner got three wins under the trot but Brighton have been playing well all, all season and the game itself, they shouldn't beat Arsenal because they had all the play, biggest percentage of possession, and uh, they should have won the game right now. But it's back to the old story, which I've mentioned many times you just need somebody to score for them, and then they'll be a, a real big danger. Because the football and the organisation that Graham Potts has put into that team is absolutely excellent, and I just got the feeling that once they get somebody up there, although Mopey's been doing quite well, he's got about four goals. 
clubs this season. That's the reason why they're in the higher echelons of the league. So uh, it was good performance and he should have beat Arsenal. But he got away with it, Arsenal got a draw, so good luck to him. It's, a, it's another point in the back for them. I mean, being bottom of the league not long ago. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you, you mentioned it many times and I, I agree with you. Arteta, um, he, he's a good manager and obviously you often get things that aren't actually um, maybe football related, things that are happening in the dressing room or the boardroom and things like this that obviously we only get to learn about later and um, you wonder whether there's been a bit of that. We'll go to um, Spurs next when uh, we both thought Aston Villa would win this one. Well, Spurs did appear to be on the racks a little bit with uh, Nuno, the um, Portuguese manager, uh, obviously desperate for win, uh, for a win, and it looked again like just as Wolves had um, a, a Korean player, then uh, the the great son who plays for uh, Spurs, he he again looked good, didn't he? Well, I've said many times before that if he's one player, I wish City had it. It's that song because he's such a good player. He's a ball carrier. You know, he can pick the ball up and run at defences. He's not frightened. He can score goals. He's got everything. In fact, yeah, I think he takes a lot of pressure off Harry Kane. And that's why Harry Kane does well. But, but so now he's still not scoring Harry Kane. So it's a funny old game, say, isn't it? It is that's indeed, say. <laughs> OK, uh, we'll go to West Ham and uh, the visitors were Brentford. We both saw goals in this. Uh, we both thought it would be a draw. And in actual fact, it was West Ham 1, Brentford 2. And uh, they're looking as if they're likely to be around for the next couple of seasons, aren't they? Well, that's another perfect example where you've just got to keep going. I think they scored a winner in the 98th minute or something like that. Then, uh, as I said before, maybe I've not taken Brentford seriously and I've not really watched them that much when I've watched the full game. And uh, the results that they're getting is fantastic. And that was another good one because uh, West Ham have been playing well. The only thing I thought on that game was the fact that West Ham played on the Thursday night. And it might have took a bit out of them, you know, to get the result on Thursday yeah. by playing Sunday. Whereas he got Brentford, he had all week to prepare for that game. And that was the same with Everton and Manchester United, by the way. Everton had all week to prepare while United had a midweek game. And these are the things you've got to look out for nowadays, with the, the games coming thick and fast. I know we've got a break now with the international break on, but when it starts up again, everybody's going, that's it, you know, we've got the League Cup coming on, you know, the inter-European games, and a lot of teams are not involved in it, so they have a full week to prepare. And that's what happened there, I thought, with Brentford. But well, apparently it was a deserved win. OK, well, I didn't see the game. I only saw the result, and obviously it was a late winner. Uh, I did watch Crystal Palace and Leicester. Um, I, I thought uh, Leicester were going to be reasonably OK because uh, they took the game up to 2-0. And then uh, Palace came back to give me uh, the uh, predicted score of 2-2. You thought Palace had beat Leicester 2-0. So uh, I knew it would be a, a tough game, and I thought... Um, Palace showed great resilience and you can see shades of the management and his style now. Patrick Vieira I think has got the team beginning to look reasonably good again. Well I've, I've watched this game as well and they were far and away the better team at Crystal Palace. They only could to be tuned on down. Well that's the way they play Leicester. You know with Jamie Vardy, the long ball 
to him and whoosh, he's through the middle and at the back of the net where you can say Bob, Bob's your uncle. And uh, as I said, uh, all, overall the game, they deserve to at least get a draw at Crystal Palace. Now I did chuff that they came back to get a result because it would have been a shame if they'd have lost that one. Because if you remember the previous Monday, they played Brighton at home, played them off the park and conceded a goal in the 98th minute again, you know what I mean? So they was deserving of a little bit of luck, but they played really well. And, and you're right what you said about the manager. Vieira, slowly but surely, is getting his ideas over and it's becoming to show on the pitch. And Crystal Palace will not be like they used to be, you know, when it was a, a tough team to be. They're play, playing football now. And I think they're going to be and somebody to look at in the future when they start to be able to buy a couple of players. They'll be all right. Yeah. OK, now we come to the big one then, because obviously uh, with great trepidation I was waiting for uh, our conversation, which would be, of course, about how Man City played against Liverpool at Anfield. I watched the first half and, quite honestly, I felt like going home. I mean, I thought we were dreadful in the first half. In the second half, um, I thought we really came to life. We gave you a really, really tough test um, I thought that um, Klopp's decision-maker game was very, very strange uh, because basically Milner got a yellow card and uh, then he uh, should really have been taken off because if you've got a, a man on a yellow card and you've got somebody like Joe Gomez that could come in and cover straight away, which he eventually had to, um, it was, there was always the likelihood that Milner would make a silly mistake because his speed's gone. Great player, lovely, uh, seems to be a really nice man, seems to be a great influence around the club. But once your speed's gone, you're going to get caught. And he did get caught and he should have been off. Uh, the referee, I don't know what he was doing. Maybe internally he was saying, well, I don't want to spoil the game. But um, certainly I think Milner should have been sent off. You're probably going to say the same. But your thoughts on a great game, because I must admit, I thought the game was a good, good spectacle. Anybody that uh, watched that game would have thought Manchester City, how on earth they weren't three up by half-time. And then Liverpool came back with a couple of wonder goals and you replied with your couple of wonder goals. OK, what did you think? Well, for a start, you're quite right when you said we should have been bleeding at half-time, definitely. I mean, when Bernardo Silva did that brilliant run and passed through Foden, he just took a touch too much and uh, gave Alisson time to come out and block the shot, and he should have scored there, Foden. But I said to you last week that he wouldn't play Arnold against City because it's a bit of a weakness. In the meantime, apparently he was injured. He did play during the week in Europe, and then I said that he'd play Gomez right back. I was surprised when he picked Milner right back. It was not a good decision. Because if you know what City, we didn't play Grealish on left wing where he's been playing every week. They played him in the middle of Grealish and put Foden on the wing because they knew he would expose uh, Milner at the fullback. And that's exactly what happened. And for a manager not to have took uh, Milner off after he got that booking, it was on the cards that he was going to get sent off. And why the referee hadn't got the balls to believe he can send him off, it's beyond belief because apparently, I didn't realise this, VAR can't come in on a two yellow situation. You know, oh. it's up to the referee that. Wow. Two yellows, if they don't give the second yellow, VAR can't interfere and say that it's a second yellow or it's a sending off offence. So they can't come in on that. 
the reason why they, I, I just couldn't understand why they had said, look, you made a mistake there, that the book should be sent off. It did booked, and that was a bookable offence. I think everybody around the world knows that. Incidentally, it, was, it went to 167 countries that game, and I'm proud of the fact that it was a great game in the end, like you say. Yeah. You came back into it. That air is the monster you've got up front. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't be any, you know, and you've got to clean your ass to him, have you? Well, I always expected to score when a bunch of Liverpool played, whoever they played, you know. You just got that knack of uh, causing problems, it's like a naughty boy in a, in a house, under you know, the, the one who could cause trouble. But can uh, anybody can anybody justify £500,000 a week, which is what he's asking for? Oh, no, no, no. But on about that this Mbappé's going to go to uh, Real Madrid and he's going to be on £75,000, a million a week, he's going to be on. So it's not a joke, isn't it? It's just ridiculous. And, I hope Liverpool don't fall for the trick and give it him because he's it, playing well enough to understand why he's trying to get it. But uh, for my money, you, you need him. But I'll, I'll tell you now, I'll say it well before it happens. When Liverpool lose money and they lose Salah at Christmas for the uh, African corporations, that's when you have problems. And they've only got a jotter of their money to come because I can't see anybody else going to bring goals for Liverpool. You don't get anybody in your team. Other than say maybe Arnold from a free kick, so I think you've got problems ahead. But at the moment you're doing well. It was a cracking game. I enjoyed it right to the end. I think you're very. Uh, I think. You, sorry, Eric. You carry on. No, we went to one up. I thought, oh no, we're not going to lose this after playing so well. You know, we and we're so chuffed. We played three games: Chelsea away, and played them off the park, won one nil. Played for the century man away during the. Played him off the back and lost 2 0. You know, and then I thought, no, we're not going to play well again today and lose it. So I did chuff when we got the equaliser from old Kevin De Bruyne. Yeah. Well, I thought, um, you know, it was a great goal that he scored to equalise. Uh, Salah's great goal. It was a great move, which saw Marnie uh, with the first goal. And Foden was just playing out of his skin. So um, I've got to say, uh, one of the quieter um, heroes of the Liverpool team, I thought, was Joel Matip. I thought he had a great game, actually. Um, you know, back four player, uh, came forward on many occasions um, when it needed somebody to come forward. So I, I, I was very impressed with him. Well, he, he certainly he carried the ball to City a lot, but certainly in the second half, like, you know. And, uh, yeah, he had, he had a good game, but uh, Liverpool's defence at the moment is at sixes and sevens, and then you don't seem to be organised. And you can't blame it on the fact that Van Dijk's not playing now, because he's playing Van Dijk. Massive has come up to the plate and done OK. But otherwise, he... I don't know what it is. You don't seem to be any contact between the back four and the midfield, you know, to give them a little bit of uh, steadiness in front of them. Yeah. I think he's going under pressure because the midfield are not doing the job properly. Well, I think I you're right. I respect to Curtis Jones. He's a good player. But I don't think he's a defensive type player, is he? He's more of a tackle. Well, he, he was... Um... He was missing during that game. I mean, I, I thought he played really well earlier in the week, but I mean, he's only young. He's got to learn from these games, and I think he will come good. Now, look, Eric, we're going to this um, international sort of couple of days now, uh, where, quite honestly, I'm uh, dying with excitement to see England play Andorra. I mean, really, it's almost like going down to the local park 
and Spain turning up to play, um, you, you know, Denier or something like that. You, you know, it, it, these are ridiculous games. And I noticed the ladies, they uh, managed to put eight past Moldova and ten past Luxembourg. So if you go by what the girls can do, the, the lads should be scoring a few goals, shouldn't they? Well, you'd expect it, wouldn't you? I mean, but everybody says every game's difficult nowadays, but I don't agree because these games like Andorra, Gibraltar, teams like that, you know, they should be blown away. But for some reason, you've got to keep these clubs going or these countries going to make money for their FAs or whatever, you know, whatever associations they have with football at the ground level. So, well, isn't that I think the. That's the real reason we've got to play these games. Isn't that also the nub of the problems? If you've got too many games, and don't forget you've got the likes of Arsene Wenger and many people joining him to try and get us to go to a two-year um, World Cup. I mean, basically, isn't it time to make two layers, you know, two, two tiers of international games so that the minnows play the minnows and they come up through a league system the same as in, in, in the local tournaments. I mean, realistically, uh, you, you've just got whipping boys that um, every team should be getting three, four, five and six against. Well, that's why they brought that, that other uh, competition in last year, what was uh, England were playing, you know, so that all the lower clubs were playing against the lower clubs in the... I, I can't remember what it was called now, but it's some other club that they, they thought up, you know, uh, to make, try and make more money out of it. It's just about money anyway, being, being truthful. Uh, uh, the European Cup used to be 14 games to win it, now it's 17 games to win it. The reason they've increased the games is to make more money out of the people, do you know what I mean? And yeah. as I said before, European football is one of the biggest rip-offs ever, and people keep falling for it, but not my cup of tea but never mind yeah. I might say that because I've seen you can't win it but I'm not bothered don't really worry me that ok win the Premier League um, what about um, England when we played them at Wembley because they were fighting when we had them at their ground. I think they'll be packing the defence at Wembley. But when they, I saw them early on in the season, they played some good football, Hungary, and attacking football. But they weren't frightened. They seem to be frightened of England. See what happens anyway. We yeah. know what I'm doing is going to get a good idea. But Hungary might be able to pull some up, but I can't see it. Okay, well, well, Especially if England, if, if England play folding and he plays the way he did at Anfield, I mean. I've said it before, when he gets into the England team proper in a regular start, of play, I mean, when he did not play for the last few games, he's miles better. Playing him in midfield, but he keep putting him up front. But you've got to get him in midfield to carry the ball at these teams, you know. So we'll wait and see what happens with him. I don't think our manager of England is good enough anyway. Right. I think he's trying to definitely conceding goals instead of playing attacking football when we've got the best attacking players that we've ever had now England the players we've got are fantastic yeah alright Eric well look we're going to leave it there because we're just coming up to uh, the right. last part of uh, our podcast today 
Um, congratulations on your birthday and as I say it was nice to see uh, so many people turned out to um, come in and say you know well done because I think um, you know the trouble is you sometimes go through life and you think nobody's particularly doing what uh, or liking what you're doing uh, and yet uh, I think there's enough evidence to to say I think you have a lot of people who have greatly admired the way that you've worked over the years and um, you know may it long continue Eric yeah, I hope so. We've gone 28 years up to now, so we keep on going. That's just a fantasy, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Eric. I'll catch you next week right, when cheers. we'll be we'll be looking at the uh, the Premier scores again. Okay, Eric. Thank you very much okay. indeed. No problem. Have a great day. Cheers, Bye. Take care.